Holly G with the Golf Insiders for this edition of Tour Talk. July 4th is often a big vacation week for uh, a lot of Americans and, uh, you know, a good time to start your Start your summer off with a little relaxation. And for the PGA Tour players, that's not the case this week. We've got two events going on, the Barbasol Championship in Kentucky and the Genesis Scottish Open over in Scotland, of course. And to break it all down for us, as uh, this is a busy week in golf, he's up. Uh, Broken away from a few minutes of grilling some Red Hots and uh, some tasty hamburgers to spend a few minutes with us. The one, the only, Gary Van Sickle from Sports Illustrated and The Morning Read. Hello, Gary. Yeah, did you want ketchup or mustard with your dogs? Hope you had a happy fourth. I mean, really, do you use, do you, what do you put in your hot dog or hamburger? Do you put mustard or ketchup or both? I'm a ketchup. Or, or neither. I'm a ketchup woman, but also where I'm from, which is upstate New York, Rochester, we have red and white hots, Gary. Are you familiar with white hots? I don't think so. Pork version of red hots, if you will. And the tastiest tastiest dogs you've ever had. But we digress. (laughs) Speaking Uh, of dogs, check out the field at... Oh, no, I'm not going to say that. uh, All right. Well, let's start off with... um, You wrote an article earlier in the week that uh, some of our listeners may have missed over the holiday. Your thoughts and your then cynical... uh, prognostications, comments, reflections on the first live golf event in Portland last week. Well, it's funny because it's exciting that there's a renegade tour or a rival challenging the PGA Tour. You know, I liken it to, you know, and only half serious, but I liken it to the Rebel Alliance versus the Empire in Star Wars, you know. Here you got Luke and Yoda, and the other side you got the Death Star. Uh, so it's exciting that there's a rival concept out there. The problem is, ironically, the rival concept's product isn't interesting at all. 54-hole shotgun start. They play. Uh, they have some team thing that nobody cares about or will ever care about. I don't. I don't get how they think this is better. Other than the fact that, you know, they finish sooner. But it's, um, they're throwing so much money at the The only thing interesting about it is that at the end, somebody gets a check for $4 million plus change for the team event. And they have all these uh, big names. And so far, their winners are Charles Schwartzel and Brandon Grace. So how's that working out? So it, it's just, uh, you know, and I'm, I'm tired of everybody crying about the money and doing all this and that and the loyalty factor. Um, I like Brandel Chambly, but he's he's on this crusade. He talks about the murderous Saudi regime all the time. You know, it's uh, uh, let's let's move on. They're they're having this tour. It doesn't matter who's running it. They're they're going ahead with it despite your protests. And let's let's get over that and t- and look at the picture. Uh, I think he's, you know, got got a one-track 
on a one get he's got a one track mind right now on, on who's sponsoring this. And yeah, we all agree. It's blood money, but if you really think about it, all blood all money in the world is blood money if you really want to get piggy. So I don't know. It, I, I the, the the live golf tournaments do nothing for me. The product does nothing for me. But it's fun watching the things go on. Uh, the PGA tours responded, and they, you know, it's they've got competition, and that makes everybody better. Probably what'll wind up happening is the PGA tour will. Well, they've already made changes. They'll probably make more changes, and uh, this thing, uh, the live golf thing, will go away when the Saudis, you know, if they get done dropping a couple billion and realize they haven't got anything to show for it, they'll probably give up. But uh, it's changed the game, and the players are going to think for the better because they're making more money. But I guess we'll be the judge of that in the long term. We'll see uh, see if this is better to end your season before Labor Day and then have a bunch of meaningless qualifying tournaments that. No, who's going to want to watch those or sponsor those? I mean, so there's a lot to be determined, but uh, it's a spectacle, and that's why I, I had a I, I titled my list ten reasons why you can't look away from the live golf tour. It's it's like a golf accident. You want to see what's happening. You, you can't help it. Well, Billy Horschel walked into the media center Tuesday at the Scottish Open and uh, called out the quote, hypocrites in live golf, and says they should stay there. Now, specifically what he was talking about, not necessarily coming down on these guys specifically for their choice, but his point was you shouldn't be allowed to dabble on the PGA Tour or the DP World Tour, uh, as some are doing this week after... A court ruling. We saw this coming, Gary, because this week's event is a co-sanctioned event between the DP World Tour, for my listeners, that's the former European Tour. And the, artist, the artist formerly known as the European Tour, yes. Correct. And the PGA Tour. And the DP World Tour, under their bylaws, are not allowed to ban players from playing and competing events. However, they came out with, I believe it was a decision or sanction for this tournament saying that wasn't the case, and the players on the Live Golf uh, Tour took it to court. Yeah, they're, they're, they're hiding behind the PGA Tour on this one because the PGA Tour is involved. It's the PGA Tour saying you can't play, not them. The European Tour is caught in a tough spot here because... There, I don't think most Americans realize what horrible shape the European tour was in. I think uh, one of these last events they had was the first time all year they haven't received only the, the bare minimum of ranking points from the, the, the official world golf rankings. Their field, their field quality is so poor, they're, they're, they're the minimum every week. Look at their purses. The winner is only getting like between $310,000 and $380,000. That's less than the women's majors, and it's it's only a little more than a lot of the LPGA Tour regular events. So they're basically on a par with the LPGA Tour when it comes to money, and we all know that the, the women aren't making a whole lot of money. So uh, the European Tour is in a tough spot where they'd love to ban these guys, but if they do that, they're going to destroy their future Ryder Cup teams, and they've already got nobody playing their events. So... They can't come out and tell Ian Poulter and these guys you can't play ever. They they don't want to do that. So they, 
under this alliance, they can hype the the tour. But ironically, these players are saying, well, we, this is great because now we can play less and be home. And now they're suing because they can't play they want because they want to play more. They want to be able to play both tours. So we'll see how that works out. Uh, the European tour bylaws, as you pointed out, Holly, might, might allow them uh, some room to sneak through on this one. But I don't think it's, I don't think they're going to be playing on the PGA tour. So it, we'll have to see. But you knew something legal would, would happen once, sooner or later, and it turns out to be sooner. So we'll, we'll see. But yeah, the European tour's got a problem here. They, they can't, they can't afford to ban these guys because they, they don't have anybody left to play that anybody's heard of. Speaking of the Ryder Cup, Taylor Gooch getting in a little hot water with his comparison of playing in the Live Portland event um, to the atmosphere of the Ryder Cup or a President's Cup, even though he's never played in one. Hello. Yeah, well, he's just trying to impress the boss. You know, he's... Yeah, and that's the other thing. I mean, it's ironic these guys say, well, you know, Pat Perez was saying, well, I, you know, I missed the birth of my child because I had to play in something. And like, no, oh. he, he, Pat, you Come didn't on, have Pat. to play in anything. You Come didn't on, have to Pat. play anywhere. It's your choice. It's time for a come on, man. Exactly. You don't have to play in anything, and so these guys can play as little as they want. Obviously, if you don't play well enough, you have to play more to keep your card, but... Nobody made you skip the birth of your kid. I mean, go back to key school and get your car. Or do what, you know, I mean, so uh, they don't really have good arguments. Look, it's, this is all for the money. Just come on and say, hey, this, this money's crazy. And honestly, if, if somebody's going to pay you three or four times more than what you usually get, and you're going to have to do less than half the work, maybe a third as much work, and... The- well, we do have some players that are looking to get those final spots at the British Open, the 150th Open Championship, as they say, across the pond, Gary, that will begin at St. Andrews next week. And uh, Mr. Tiger Woods will be teeing it up. He said there was no way he could have played at the U.S. Open. I think that was pretty obvious to most of us after watching him at the PGA Championship in May. But, um, you know, you've been over there many times. What do you think, of, you know, Tiger's chances are at St. Andrews? Well, Tiger's a complete mystery. We don't really know what kind of shape he's in, how good he feels, how well he's swinging it. Uh, and we don't know what playing golf four days in a row does. Uh, we saw in Tulsa... You know, third and fourth day, he's kind of his body's pretty beat up. So to to expect him just because he knows the course and has played well there, yeah, that was the healthy tiger. You know, who at the t- who back in those days was 30, 40 yards longer than a lot of guys. At least his first time there, uh, his distance gap wasn't quite as much when he went back. But I, your guess is as good as mine. Tiger Woods, you know, this might be. This might be the last. This might be the major where he decides his future in playing major championships. If he has a another week where he's just not able to compete on the third and fourth rounds, you know he's, he can spend the rest of the year working on it, and he might realize by December, you know, I just can't. I just can't do this. So I mean, I, I think we have to be aware that every time Tiger plays in a major now, possibly. 
and hopefully not, but possibly it's the last time he's going to play a major. I mean, he's that near the end of the line, potentially. Now, we don't know the ins and outs. How much better can he get? He's recovering from this accident. Well, the more time he has, will, how much better will he – how much more can he improve? We don't know the answer. He doesn't know the answer. He might, if he get, takes the rest of six months, the rest of this year, he might be a lot better by the end of this year. We don't know. There's there's too many there's too many variables to know what to think about Tiger Woods. But he he is he is still the needle. Everybody's going to want to watch him and see what he does. Um, and you know, there's there's a good chance this is the last time he plays St Andrews in the Open. So you don't don't miss it. Well, he had an interesting comment a couple of days ago. He said, "quote." I will always be able to play golf, whether it's this leg or someone else's leg or false leg or different body pieces that have been placed or fused, I'll always be able to play. Now, if you say play at a championship level, well, that window is definitely not as long as I would like it to be. I thought that was a very revealing comment from Tiger. Well, it tells you that he he knows he's got body parts that aren't any good. So, I mean, you know, we've all been talking about his ankle after the, you know, his lower leg because the car accident. His knee was shot before that. So what, what is, is he implying he might need a knee replacement here soon? Because I don't think an ankle replacement, I don't even know if they do those. I don't think that's, I don't think you're going to be able to play championship golf on that. But I guess it means he can play golf the rest of his life, even if, you know, he can't play it as well as he'd like. So uh, he's lucky to be here. He's lucky to be alive. We're lucky he's alive. We're lucky he still wants to play golf. And honestly, everybody is interested in watching him play at whatever level he's able to play so he's in a way he's almost more interesting than before when you almost knew he was going to win now it's like what's he going to do we have no idea what if he gets in contention you're going to have tiger media 6.0 in progress so it it could be a lot of fun if tiger uh, if tiger shows up with game and is able to he certainly knows his way to maneuver around St. Andrews at the old course. He's proven that. If he can, if he can play chess, if it's you know if he gets some win in some tough conditions and it's a chess match, maybe that's something that would help him. If it's calm and you know not, his big problem is if it gets cold. I I think he's shown that he, if it's under 60, he can't play. His body didn't work, so he needs a heat wave for the old course and. Uh, I don't know. The odds on that in Scotland in July are, I don't know, probably probably 50-50. So he needs warm weather. That's a key thing. So I don't know I don't know if that's going to be his week, but if it's warm, uh, who knows? It's going to be fun to see. I, I can't wait. Well, speaking of showing up with game, Matt Fitzpatrick recently crowned U.S. Open champion will be teeing it up at the Scottish Open uh, he hasn't played since Brookline. Another guy who um, had some uh, new revelations recently about his game, Colin Morikawa, 
the defending champion, he got a little uh, fixated on getting to number one in the world. Colin, after you know winning two majors, sort of right out of the gate, uh, he was you know close to winning at Tiger's event at the Hero Championship in the Bahamas. If he had converted his three-day lead, he would have shot to number one. Uh, after 66 starts, would have been only second to Tiger, right? In reaching number one, uh, the fastest. Well, I'm just so glad that the Live Golf Tour can't get world ranking points, but Tiger's picnic camp gets world ranking points. That makes a lot of sense. That there should be no points for that. But yeah, he had a hot stretch, but you know, Scheffler's just bulldozed everybody, and I, I'm surprised. Why do it? If you're a player, what? You just got you got to focus on getting the ball in the hole. You, what are you worried about? Who, where you're number one or not? What's that? You know, unless you unless you have a contract with some sponsor who's going to give you a two million dollar bonus for getting the number one. What do you care? Go play your best golf and see what you know. Work on getting better and make and, and playing well, and don't worry about your ranking. I'm I'm surprised that uh, that because you know, he's a smart guy. I'm surprised he would get sidetracked like that. But you know. I think back, I think of all the guys who've gotten sidetracked by winning a major. I remember Payne Stewart, after he won the, uh, I don't remember which Open it was, but he, he went into a slump, and he, at some point he, he admitted that, you know, every time he goes out to play golf at the, at the tournament, he feel he felt like, you know, you get introduced in the first day, the U.S. Open champion, Payne Stewart. And he said he felt this extra pressure that he had to play like the U.S. Open champion every round. And that messed him up for like six months. Now, you wouldn't think that would bother these guys. And yet, he and some others have said that, yeah, it does It does affect, you know, and especially the Masters. Um, you win the Masters and, you know, it changes your life and your expectations go up and your fame level goes up and it can affect it can affect your golf game. So, I, I'm, but I'm shocked that Morikawa... That a that would happen to him. B I'm kind of surprised he admitted it. But yeah, these guys are. Uh, that's great to tell the media what you're thinking. That's that's how you become. That's how the public attaches themselves to you. They want to know what you're thinking and, and get to know you. What what Morikawa said was, "All I cared about," and then he said, "Not all I cared about. That's a lie. What I cared about was trying to get to number one in the world." And he reflected even more, saying that's why he felt he had such a, a lackluster start to the first five months of this year, and he, you know, kind of had this. Uh, yeah, uh, he got put out of reach. He couldn't get there. It's like it, it's like he's defeated. He can't get to number one now without going on a incredible tear. Yeah, uh, meanwhile. It's funny, it's funny, you know, it's funny these things, you know, everybody, look, all these guys are great golfers, and one reason they're great is they got egos based on their ability. Things happen when you have an ego. Well, now he said he's focused on winning. And what was Tiger Woods' ultimate focus, Gary? Winning. So. I thought it was red shirts, but okay, I'll go with winning. <laughs> so we'll see. But I would say uh, that's got to both put both um, Morikawa and Fitzpatrick. I would say is some of the of the top bets uh, going into the Open Championship. Next well, week. Is there, yeah, Morikawa. I mean, 
I bet on I, I placed a wager on Fitzpatrick as soon as the PGA ended when he was in contention there because it was an obvious thing. He he played the U.S. Amateur there and won it, and so he got. And that week he played probably played a dozen rounds at the at the uh, at Brookline. So he of all the tour players, he's the one guy who had a background there. He knew the course, and he's going to go in there knowing he'd play well on it. He had confidence. He was comfortable on the course. I'm still surprised. You know, Nicholas Nicholas showed the model of how to win majors. You go in a week too early, spend two or three or four days there, and Jack said he did that not only to you know to learn the course, but he wanted to go. I mean, he would play. He would actually shoot a score. He wanted to shoot a good score there in a practice round, knowing and go into the tournament knowing, oh yeah, I you know I can go low on Baltusrol. I love this course, and. Today's guys go in for a day and that's it. They come back and they don't they don't do the Nicholas thing. And that's you know, Fitzpatrick didn't do the Nicholas thing, but he had the US amateur at Brookline and that it's the same difference. Course knowledge and being comfortable on a course are a big difference. So while Fitzpatrick is an obvious pick at the US Open, I don't know that he's an obvious pick at St Andrews. But he's the open champion, so you can't ignore him. Having been to St Andrews, Gary, any you know, aspect of the course favors one player or another. Well, I think I think it can be to- it's it's not long enough. It can be totally overpowered. I mean, they've moved tees back, but there's a couple of par fours where guys can drive the green or get real close. So it's a it's a good power hitters course. You got to stay out of the bunkers because you a lot of them are pretty deep. But Tiger, when Tiger won, he never hit a bunker in 72 holes, which is unbelievable. Uh, at least it was at the time, but with the distance they hit, these guys hit it now. I, I like somebody who's a big hitter and somebody with a great short game, but, I mean, that's kind of half the tour. Uh, it's hard to think that Scotty Scheffler is not going to be hanging around because he hits it hard and he's great with a putter and a wedge, and Morikawa is another good one. What about D- Dustin Johnson? I uh, no, I think he's lost his edge. I, he hasn't. I haven't seen him been putting well. Uh, although, if he gets on gets the the old course, if the greens are slower, it might help the guys who you know the remedial putters on tour. It might be some. I mean, he's played well there before. John Rahm's another guy. His putting's been off, but if he gets on greens that are, you know, running at eleven or twelve instead of fourteen, that might just be all he needs to to break out of that. So. He's number one in the world for a reason, or was number one in the world for a reason. He's got the whole game, and so does so does Justin Thomas. I mean, those guys are all obvious picks. Rory knows he can go low on that course, and he's played some good golf this year. He hasn't quite closed the deal, but um, he seems more inspired than he's ever been. So uh, mm-hmm. I think Rory actually might be the betting favorite. I think his odds are the lowest. So he's a, you know, we're, I'm picking all the chalk here, but those are the guys who. Uh, the great, the great players in history generally have all won at St Andrews. Uh, John Daly's on that list. Some other guys are on that list, but you think about Nicholas and uh, all the old timers, all the guys who've won at Tiger, Faldo won there. I mean, the, the best players in the game have won there. So, you know, who are the best players in the game today? Kind of those guys we just talked about. I hope we get some weather. Because then you can see who's really hitting it well and who's got the shots and who doesn't. And I love watching these guys battle the elements. That's the best part. Couldn't agree with you more. As always, Gary Van Sickle, 
from Sports Illustrated in the Morning Read. That would be SI.com. Check out his columns, and uh, we'll look forward to talking to you next week, my friend, as we begin the final major of the season. Well, it's going to be an exciting week. The 150th British Open Championship at St. Andrews. And as always, Gary, thank you so much. Thanks for your time and chatting with us at the Golf Insiders. As always, it was great being had by you.